Hello and welcome back to the Asset Allocator podcast, where we try to take a look under the bonnet of the market with leading asset allocators. I'm David Thorpe, Contributing Editor at Asset Allocator. Joining me today are Eleanor Ingleby, Deputy Head of Portfolio Management at Atomos Wealth, the firm which recently rebranded from Sanlam, and David Baxter, Funds Editor at Investors Chronicle. Thank you both for joining me today. Eleanor, as an asset allocator, how do you weigh up the various big picture macro topics which unfortunately are dominating uh, the world right now when putting portfolios together? Well, that's certainly impossible to ignore at the moment. Um, Our portfolio is very much positioned for structurally higher inflation with the weight allocated that we would have put to government bonds to a little bit to property and some to gold as well as we bring in different inflation-linked income streams to try and ensure they're resilient. A lot of what we've also been trying to build in the portfolio is finding more diversified assets. The way in which fixed interest and equities have moved has been unusually correlated this year due to the, as you said, the wider macroeconomic pressures that have come to bear. So that's really been our main drive is looking for good quality companies with diverse income streams that can deliver and be resilient against these forces, these huge forces that are moving through the markets. Thank you. Um, David Baxter, what are you uh, hearing from your readers and contacts around how the macro interacts with portfolio management? I think as we've um, kind of discussed on on this podcast and elsewhere, we've had... um, Obviously, lots of different, very different opinions on the kind of assets like gilts. Um, but I was interested, Elmer, here you mentioned property. I mean, have you, that seems to be one of the assets that's been hit a bit by kind of selling from things like pension funds, you know, while they're trying to find liquidity. Are those kind of issues that you you guys have been sort of bearing in mind and trying to, trying to weigh up in the latest, I suppose, the latest kind of bout of volatility and and crises and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we still think there are areas which are less vulnerable to structural changes in land use and that do benefit from the, you know, relatively predictable cash flows. You know, it is a real asset that rises with inflation, but we've tried to keep it very diverse in our portfolios. So, for example, some of our property holdings, we've got the more stereotypical holding of Granger, obviously direct holding. We also have a supermarket REIT, a real estate investment trust in there, and another firm called Digital Realty, which is a mixture of property and digital because they do digital warehouses. So it's quite fascinating to try and, as I said, going back to that point of diversity and ensuring it's built into our property exposure, trying to keep it less stereotypical than in the past. Thank you for that, Eleanor. Um, And have you taken the opportunity to increase exposure to some asset classes amid the market sell-offs of recent months? We have, actually. So probably at the beginning of the year, we um, we looked to add in more commodities, which did very well for our portfolios because that was very resilient within that. So companies such as Anglo-American. We also added in some gold trackers as well just to try and, again, change that exposure. We do think that equities are reasonably fairly priced at the moment, um, as in they have been quite high, they're drawing back to where they are. It'll be very interesting as we go into earnings season to see how much the market has priced in these wider shifts that are occurring and whether they can really deliver on what they're saying at the moment. Thank you uh, for that. And uh, David, would you like to uh, come in on that? Yeah, I mean, just the, I suppose, again, the pricing in point is is quite interesting. It seems this year, perhaps fund managers and to an extent wealth managers have been 
you know, it's, it's been very hard to kind of judge what is priced in. I mean, do you do you still feel that there is too much kind of uncertainty to make much in the way of big calls, or have you been kind of as active as you normally would when things are, I suppose, kind of volatile? Hugely. It's been interesting. So I attended a few industry events, which are always beneficial to hear, put your ear to the ground to a somewhat of an extent and understand what everyone's saying. And it's been fascinating because a lot of the bigger fund managers have all said, you know, it is very unclear at the moment of the future. Um, you know, things such as anything that diversifies inflation or reduces it is a good thing. But then how do you do that? And do you then overly correlate a portfolio? We do feel that central banks are still likely to prioritise stability of the financial system over the fight against inflation, which is not an unusual or, or bold point of view at the moment. I think it'd be unusual for someone to say inflation is going to drop. Mm-hmm. But we do really think when you add that into the, the wide macroeconomic pieces we're all aware of, of the new supply chains, which are different, a little bit more resilient, but more expensive, the you know, war in Ukraine and everything else, when you're trying to build a portfolio and ensure it can survive that, we find that we've had to look at the stress testing of the companies we look at. And what we've tried to produce in a lot of our equity investments is what we call a strong economic moat. So companies that have high cash flow generation, strong management teams and are dominant in their industry. We're not, you know, we do hold companies such as Microsoft, um, Unilever, because we like these companies. They might be a little bit boring, but they do continuously deliver. Thank you. Eleanor, you're, I think you're relatively unusual at Atomos in um, running model portfolios that allocate directly to equities. Um, I suppose, how do you decide whether to allocate directly to equities relative to a, a fund or collective vehicle and what sort of resource goes into researching the uh, individual equities that you may own? So a lot of that has come from our past. As you said, we've recently, we started off as Sanlam. And Sanlam was a South African firm that in the majority in the UK focused on fund management. Mm-hmm. So we have always had access to almost an institutional level of research, and we still have that access. Okay. However, as we evolve into Atomos, what we are starting to do on our portfolios is add in more funds as well um, to create more of a harmonious mixture of the two. Thank you. And I know uh, David Baxter mentioned in his earlier comments that one of the constant debates among market participants at the moment is around gilts. And look, I'm not going to, to ask you to comment on gilts in the in the near term because anything you say might be out of date by the time <laughs> we go off air, never mind the time we publish it. But uh, given the volatility of, of gilts, never mind the, the pricing or the yields, just the sheer volatility, is it time to question the long-term strategic place that gilts can play in a, in a portfolio? I think absolutely. They used to have a, a most certain place. You know, if you look at a portfolio five years ago, you included gilts. There was, you'd be very unusual not to. Mm-hmm. We've not had them in a portfolio for around two years now. We've been a little bit uncertain of them. We started to look at them again around a month ago mm-hmm. to potentially reintroduce. We wanted short dated inflation linked gilts. We're still keeping an eye on them. But as you said, they're moving so quickly, which for something that was meant to be the ballast of a portfolio and the steadfast part, mm-hmm again, speaks to the, u- the new universe we're all dealing with at the moment. Thank you. Uh, David, what, what do you hear from your, your contacts around uh, around the role of guilds? Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as we've mentioned, it's very much um, kind of, a, a I think, a, a divide. And it's interesting, you've seen the, you know, we've heard from many allocators the idea of guilds looking cheaper earlier this year. And then, of course, things grew even more volatile. I guess what's interesting is also the um, the knock-on effect you've seen from the rise in guilt yields on, you know, 
asset classes that were seen as being kind of almost indestructible by some investors, like, like infrastructure. Um, and yeah, I suppose kind of one one point to ask or one point to pose now is what is what is actually kind of still reliable? Is there anything that is kind of less correlated um, now that we've seen some of these kind of really popular alternatives struggle as well? Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any kind of views if, if there's anything that is still looks kind of solid despite all the um, all the uncertainties and problems we've been seeing. I think for us, there's no one area. You know, we are a little bit underweight equities currently. As I said, we've invested a lot of that spare exposure to infrastructure and commodities, which has done us well. But our driver going forward is really to try and find assets with uncorrelated returns while still sticking to our our core belief of those quality companies and the quality funds. And it's becoming more and more difficult. And as you said, that we've realised everyone in this industry have had to move very quickly this year. What can look attractive one week, then due to the shifting sands, can be completely unattractive the next week. And within that, we've had to really stress test the assets within our portfolios and the fund managers we do look at to make sure they can survive this as well as we can. Thank you. And Eleanor, many of the allocators with whom we speak are increasingly turning to alternative assets. I know that's a, it's a very broad uh, term and everybody probably defines alternatives in a different way. But what role do you see for those assets, however you define them, in the typical portfolio? Yeah, we absolutely believe that alternatives have a good place, especially as we've been speaking about the struggle to ensure that portfolios remain a little bit uncorrelated in the way in which they react to markets. So in that sense, we've certainly used um, multi-strategy funds and absolute return funds in the past. We have avoided hedge funds, um, mainly due to the the underlying fees that can be often associated with them. They can be quite high and add in to that overall cost for clients, whilst not potentially delivering what you're looking for. Thank you. David, um, I know alternatives is is something that you have uh, looked at quite a bit and and mentioned on previous editions of this uh, podcast. And what what are you hearing in the in the market? Yeah, I mean, just as, as I suppose as uh, as we've discussed, you've you've seen some interesting vulnerabilities in areas like infrastructure, and then um, it is interesting to hear the kind of some of the absolute return and hedge fund names come back into favour a bit. A few of those have performed relatively well i think one oh no on the points kind of related point you're talking about maybe moving back into funds a bit more within the range and do you think would that be more in areas such as equities or would you or would it kind of allow you to dip more into alternatives because i suppose you know alternatives are an area that where kind of funds are seen as kind of one of the major kind of gateways Yeah, no, I think it absolutely will be across the board. So we definitely, within equities as well, there's always the the concept for us of introducing to a certain extent, sometimes we want to dial that exposure up and down of using trackers to then be able to do that quite quickly without having an exact exposure within the area. And in the matter of alternatives, as I said, we've used structured products in the past, but also we have used absolute return funds. I think that's, again, an area we'd be wanting to use a fund to get that diverse long-range exposure to. Thank you for that, Eleanor Ingleby, Deputy Head of Portfolio Management at Atomos Wealth, and of course, David Baxter, Funds Editor at Investors Chronicle. And thank you all for joining me today. And do remember to tune in to the next Asset Allocator 
podcast in a couple of weeks. Thank you.